This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Keep Screaming, a podcast where two best friends dissect horror movies one by one. My name is Ryan Larson. This is my co-host, B-Bass. Hello! Uh, So, if you guys are regular listeners, sorry about the delay on the April Fool's Day episode last week. Screw technology. Yeah, there was some weird, I don't know, um, our awesome host who, like, well, not the host of the podcast, but who hosts our podcast online, uh, Brennan was able to finally micro compress it down to be able to fit on itunes because for some reason it wasn't able to even though i edited it the same way i did every other episode we've ever had i don't know what happened i think it's only fitting that it was our april fool's day episode yeah it's a big old prank psych you guys don't get an april fool's episode except you will i mean it's up now so you can go listen to it right now if you are not a returning listener let me break down what we do a little bit for you guys uh every two weeks we will take one slasher movie we just do one at a time and kind of break down the whole movie talk about where it fits in the slasher genre how good the kills were the motive the killer um and then at the end of the episode we will rank it we do have a list which you can find at our website which is keepscreaming.com you can also find us online at keepscreaming.com uh twitter we're at screamingcast instagram we're at screamingcast we are on uh, apple Podcasts, Castbox, and stitcher and if you can rate, review, subscribe, that greatly helps us out. And then you can, of course, find us at podpeople.me, a pod, podcast for the weird at heart. So those are all the places you can find us, as well as our personal Twitters, which uh, I'm at Ryan Larson, and B is at B, not B. That's B-E-E, not B-E-A. And we'll mention all that again at the end of the episode. But yeah, so we kind of break down just one slasher, and we will be doing this for a long time because there's a lot of slasher movies. Until we die. Yes, until we die, or until we run out of slashers, whichever comes. I mean, there is, I think I will live longer. We'll live longer before we run out of slashers. Yeah, we really... At the rate we're recording. We'll have to review Giallo's at some point. I think that will extend our life a little bit. But then we'll just, like, start over or something. I don't know, we'll figure it out. Uh, At the beginning of the episode, though, we do a pop culture check-in where we talk about other things that we've been watching, reading, listening to, um, just so you guys can kind of get to know us beyond horror movies, even though a lot of what we're doing outside of this is watching more horror movies because we're horror fans. Um, So I'll kick off. Avengers comes out a week from today, the day that we're recording, which is the 18th. So I've been doing the MCU Marathon which I will not get through, unfortunately. I'm going on vacation for four or five days, which is going to cut into my MCU watching time, so I won't finish before, but I've seen all the movies like a million times. But I've got through like the first eight right now. And what I have to say is Iron Man 2 is still not good. It has good parts, and Sam Rockwell is excellent, but it's not a good movie. Iron Man 3 is better than I remember, but the third act still sucks. And The Incredible Hulk is the worst Marvel movie. And I've always thought those things, and I stand by them. The only thing that changed on my rewatch was I think Iron Man 3 is better than I remember. It's the best one. Um, I mean, Shane Black wrote it. He wrote Pulp Fiction. He wrote uh, Predator. 
I did not know these things. Real kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Further validates my opinion that that's the only good Iron Man. I do really like Shane Black. Um, and I also just, if further cemented, Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. They just mm-hmm. need to either kill that character or not make him exist because no one else needs to be Iron Man. Uh, we are also past Friday the 13th. I know we did not do a Friday the 13th episode because when we eventually get around to the franchise, we don't know yet if we want to watch all... 11 of them in a row that's a lot of movies um so we didn't cover friday the 13th because we don't know quite when we're going to tackle the big icons in slasher movies we're trying to save those just because they're a little more special and we don't want something dominating the top of the list for like a really long time so we were trying to like get around to stuff that was maybe less well known or things of ours that are maybe personal favorites but not like absolute favorites but or i did we didn't know we've been trying yes. we've been yeah. taking advantage of watching a thing a lot of things that we're not that familiar with or things that we've been wanting to watch and so the podcast has been an excuse for us to watch it yeah and just, we, oh. uh, like the day and age we exist in now like amazon prime and scream factory and just like uh uh Vestron, like all these outlets that are putting out these things that we can never get our hands on growing up especially mm-hmm. now that video stores are dead unfortunately it's just been really nice to explore the genre that we love so much and continue to love it. But I did pick up the eight uh, eight movie set um, that Paramount just put out of Friday the Thirteenth. So it ha- on blue. It's one through eight. It doesn't have the remake or ten or Freddy vs Jason, Jason X, not ten. And I was like, what's ten? So I've watched one through three like a billion times because I like two and three have always been kind of my go-tos they're like the first appearance of jason i think they're really fun and i think they're the most true to like the slasher formula before it goes like kind of pure camp even though three is kind of pure camp because it was made for 3d but i watched four five and six and i'm not going to like dive deep into them because we'll get around to that someday but i must say i really enjoyed them a lot more than i remember I think my opinions will stand on Jason Takes Manhattan and Jason X <laughs> when we get around to those remakes. Um, but I did watch those and had a lot of fun with them. And it made me really excited to start, at least um, B and I started the discussion of how we're going to handle like those franchises. Because it's like that, Halloween, Nightmare, Scream. Those are the four big slasher mm-hmm. franchises. I don't, does Texas count as a slasher? I don't think so. Mm, we can discuss that. Yeah, I don't know. That's an off-air discussion. Yeah. So that's what I watched. A uh, lot, like, just two franchises, pretty much. Marvel and Friday the 13th. Mm. B also watched one Friday the 13th. <laughs> kind of. Um, uh, Guys, I'm, like, really slacking on any pop culture-ness. So I'm going to do something, and I'm going to blame it on me bettering myself. So I'm going to the gym. I joined a new gym. And I joined the cult of being a gym member. Yeah, get it. Uh, Which is great. I'm like literally obsessed and like get really bummed if I miss a day, which I had to miss it today and it like really just wrecked my entire day. I was in a bad mood because I didn't get to go to the gym. But I wake up at 5.10 to go to the gym. And so, you know, I've been going to bed real early and I've been really tired. Um, So I haven't been doing all the... My consuming has been like, I'm just going to preface, I have a TV in my kitchen. So that's where I've been watching most of my things or falling asleep in bed. So I haven't been doing a ton of pop culture stuff. Um, I did watch Ish, Friday the 13th, the um, original. 
Um, I watched it a little bit Friday night, fell asleep, a little bit Saturday, fell asleep, a little bit this morning while getting ready for work. So I'm almost there, guys. Uh, I just said goodbye to Kevin Bacon. So that's where I am. (laughs) Solid kill. It's a good kill. That's a very memorable one. It is. It's great. So that's where I'm at in life. No. So I did kind of watch that. I have been in the kitchen on my TV kitchen. I've been watching Dawson's Creek chipping away. I'm like eight episodes into season two. It's funny. It's always this show. It happens quicker. There's always like a part in a television television series where you can see where a shift happens from like their original idea mm-hmm. and like how they're going to and so the first season was so much about like Dawson being a filmmaker and his the interplay of like the girl next door and the best friend and then you also got some storyline with like um Pacey which is his like male best friend and season two really just full-fledged takes on, this is a teen drama. Oh, season we're two. We're going to go to parties Ooh. and we're going to introduce these characters. And so it's it's really, it hits like a complete, like we're going to go in it kind of a bit of a different direction. So it's fun to watch. I'm still enjoying it. Um, is Jack in? He's not. Jack. Jack yeah, Jack. Jack and Andy? Andy show up wow, okay. first episode of season two. Wow. Yeah. So it's like that pretty clear, yeah, yeah, they make like this is sort of the new direction the show's going. And it's funny too because um, Scott Foley's gone. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I mean, he was a senior in in the first season. So I just think it's funny because. It's like the football talk, right? Yeah, yeah. Scott Foley is like the, like the running joke is he gets introduced as TV Scott Foley because he's been in like every fucking TV show ever. Yeah. Um, the show, um, oh my God. Blanking on the name was Bill Lawrence, Undateable. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. First two seasons, it was a sitcom, and then they did a live season. Actually, really funny. And they have Scott Foley on it, and they entered as Scott Foley, and they always introduce him as, and here's TV, Scott Foley. I think it's really funny. Anywho, but in the second season, kind of the new jock is the star of Roswell, the Roswell TV show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I just completely forgot about that show. I don't know if ever, anybody ever checked it out. It was, like, pretty. I watched the first season. Yeah. You, yeah. I made it farther than you. I think I finished it. Um, Catherine it Heigl. from um, that show Life Unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so it's sort of people that you still see in TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, like, I liked Roswell, so I'm not... I'm He's not an anti-alien. On, yeah, I'm guy. not big on alien stuff. I enjoy. But I liked Roswell because it felt like the precursor to Supernatural. Like the first three seasons of Supernatural. It's very Smallville-esque to me. Yes. Yeah, that too. Yeah. But like the first like two, well, the first like two, three seasons of Supernatural still like, even though it's not, it feels teen drama-ish. Mm-hmm. You it still does. get like some romance stuff yeah. in there. It completely goes away from that yeah. after that. But like well, those first. because their characters turn 40. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... But, like, yeah, I got that vibe, but super small though. Yeah. Yeah, you're but, right. Yeah, Roswell's fun, especially if you're, like, a genre fan because it is, like, a teen drama, but based all around, like, aliens. And so it's it's pretty fun. Um, anywho, I thought it was cool to see him in something. That's a fun thing about watching these old TV shows is you – it's literally, like, oh, play the – like, this person from this and this and this and getting to see them early in their career. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Allie Larder is mm-hmm. like in this season, yeah. which is really funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she still looks she's always looked too old to play the character she's always. playing. And she definitely I don't think she's that old, but she looks thirty. In she this, just has a mature in this face. show. She just like, looks old. And I'm pretty sure I mean she all of those characters actors were older than they needed to be. Not much though. They're pretty young. Yeah. But it's funny seeing Allie Larder too. So, uh, you know, just me and TV world. Uh, we, my in-laws were in town for the weekend. So just spent time with them and we watched Jumanji, the new one. Is it called Welcome to the Jungle? Yeah. Yeah. Super fun. I really like it. We I bought it. I super liked it. But I'm just, I've seen it twice now within mm-hmm. like the two weeks and it's just so much fun. Just a perfect I, blockbuster. I did not. I was like, when it got announced, I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> like, why make something? Like, oh, why I got mad. The I got mad at him because he was like talking shit. And I'm like, you are being hypocritical. You are criticizing a movie based on a trailer. I know. And you don't even, never even, and look what you're doing. Now I will say, how. though, that trailer is deceiving because, in the sense, trailers are always deceiving. Well, I know. But, like, well, not always. But, mm. like, it's deceiving in the sense, just one thing really bothered me about that trailer. It totally paints Jack Black, Black's character like he's going to be super annoying the whole movie. Yeah. Like, because the lines he says in the trailer are his worst lines in the movie. Yeah. Because, like, he's actually very, like, subdued. But it makes it seem like he's going to be like, wacky Jack Black, and he's a girl. Get it? Jack Black's a girl. And, like, the, when I saw that in the trailer, I was like, oh, hell no. I it, do not want to watch that. I mean, I'm a big Jack Black fan. He definitely does roles that I do not enjoy. I'm a and makes moderate Jack Black movies, fan. But when he's good, I just love him. And I loved him in Goosebumps. Yeah, he's great yeah. in Goosebumps. I'm, like, a massive um, Orange County fan. Mm, um, that's, cool. like, probably one of my top three comedies i love that movie um but it is funny because yes jack black does play like a teenage like your typical preppy obsessed with her phone teenage girl and so you know a lot of the mannerisms they give him and the way he plays it you would typically see like always playing like a stereotypical like feminine guy Mm -hmm. and there's so much more heart to it in the yeah. movie. It's so much more genuine. And I know this sounds like really weird and like kind of corny, but I genuinely like forgot that he wasn't. No. Like I just thought of him as Bethany, that's, as a girl. So that's why I like that movie so much is because when I was telling Jeremy about it, I told him, I was like, I really like it because I never I never sat there being like, oh, and now it's The Rock and no. Jack Black and yeah. Kevin Hart. It, every actor think. did a really good job of yeah. playing their kid counterpart, mm-hmm. which I really, really liked. And that's one of the reasons I super enjoyed that movie because I feel like even though the kids aren't in it, that they give us like a 20-minute 20, 20 introduction with the kids and then the rest of the movie is with the adult actors, but I feel like the adult actors don't take anything away from the kids' roles. Well, and I think they just did really good. There was a big enough age gap between the kids and mm-hmm. the adult actors to really separate you. So you know, and especially because the way that all of the adult actors, I'm not familiar with the female actress, but... Oh, Karen Gillan. Yeah, the way that they're playing are so against their normal... The Rock is never vulnerable. He's never. He's always mm-hmm. the big, brave, like, strong guy. Right. And so, like, they're playing parts pretty opposite of themselves. And most... I mean, Jack Black plays a lot of silly roles, and so does Kevin Hart plays, like, the bumbling idiot yeah. and stuff. So, I mean, I guess more specifically that plays to The Rock, but... You just, it truly just doesn't seem like them and they seem like they're acting like kids. Yeah. 
in ways and and I think that's a big credit to the writers too giving them dialogue that makes sense that would come out of a teenager's mouth and not a you know 45 year old man yes so, yeah, so check it out if you guys Yeah, it's, it's it is really a lot of fun. fun. And it's so separate from the original. There's like mm-hmm. one tiny little nod to the original that it does not take away from it whatsoever. And you know what? I, you know, my husband made a comment like, well, it doesn't even really need to be called Jumanji. And I'm like, but it's Jumanji itself is such a cool concept. I'm mm-hmm. glad they net made another movie based on it because yeah. it's really cool. No, it should. I, I'm okay with it being yeah. called Jumanji. Like, it should be. And it makes. Like, all of it makes sense. Yeah. It's It's good. So, for, like, a... It's gonna... I mean, great for the summer, too. Like, it probably, I feel like, would have done... It did exceptionally Dude, it well. Did so, it doesn't well. really ma- matter. I think it's Sony's highest making... Yeah. It's their second highest making I mean, movie it makes ever, sense. Maybe? It's it's really fun. But it it's just a such billion? a great yeah. summer blockbuster, mm-hmm. even though it came out in December. But, yeah. It did really well. Yeah. Um, but really check fun. it out. It's super fun. I, I totally agree with that. Um... Yeah, see, we like action movies, too. Yeah. We actually just like all movies. Uh, So the movie we're covering this week is the movie we talked about (laughs) accidentally covering last week, which is 1989's Intruder. Um, So Intruder, the synopsis is, the ex-boyfriend of a checkout girl at a supermarket returns to closing time to make trouble. They quarrel, and the boyfriend is ejected from the store. After they lock the building up to take inventory, the employees start dying off, and the survivors must eventually find a way to escape with their lives. Thank you, Amazon. Can I, or no, IMDb. Can I bring this up immediately that hmm. the original title was oh, The yeah. Night Crew? Yeah. Um, That's a way better title. Because uh, probably my biggest complaint about this movie is the, na- the being called Intruder. So <laughs> it, it had three titles, Night Crew, yeah. Night Shift, and Nerve Endings, which I don't... Nerve Endings is bad. But Night Crew and Night Shift both make way more sense. Way more sense. I agree. The title gives you no inkling of an idea what the movie is going to be about at all like it's deceiving because it's not true the yeah. title is literally not true because it's not an intruder yeah the killer is not the intruder <laughs> and also the guy barely intrudes he's in the store while it's open he gets in for like five minutes while it's closed that's it it's it's a very odd name in the studio i guess the studio said they wanted a more generic name because they thought it'd sell better uh, which I don't understand. And there's no, we don't know the box office data, so why do we don't know if it sold better? Yeah, it came out January thirteenth, nineteen eighty nine. So right at the beginning of the year, uh, it cost one hundred thirty thousand. You were alive. I was alive. Wow. Holy crap! Uh, I had been alive. Let's see, I was four months old. Oh my goodness! Uh, you probably for, went to the theater and saw movie, this. My mom <laughs> took me to see Intruder. Uh, no, that did not happen. One hundred thirty thousand dollars. No data on box office. I looked everywhere. Yeah, same. Um, can't find it. That's not a lot of money. Um, one of the cool things, and this is a bit of trivia we're yeah. trying right now. It was made using short ends, which, if you don't know what a short end is, I didn't know. Um, it's leftover film, so it's from a. Uh, uh, like a film reel when they have leftover film off of it they cut it off so this whole movie was shot on short ends uh so that it could be cheap pretty much yeah because i i think it was just a cash grab it was a it was a horror movie cash grab yeah and it takes place in a grocery store in a real grocery store Mm -hmm. that one of the coolest things that we found out when we're doing research is that they rented out this grocery store it was completely empty and they had a company that had like um, defective products come and move in those products to the store. So like all the I was noticing like 
there's a scene you can see like the frosted flakes box i'm like oh look it's cool to see for me i was like geeking out over like the old style packaging those were all defective products and they had this so that store was empty and they had an entire crew come in and fill that grocery store with products that is just insane to me it also like it looks like a real grocery store which is Uh awesome i mean it was a real grocery store but it was empty and like so it's like you said like it looks like it is an active daily running grocery store which is really cool because like a lot of times especially these lower lower budget movies like you'll get like an aisle or two yeah and then you're like uh and like it's cutting to like rooms that are scarcely populated or aisles that like or rooms that you know are not the same set (laughs) like these these don't belong in the same building no this one they had like overhead shots you could see Mm -hmm. the every single aisle and it feels one of the things i like too is it felt so like old school grocery store Mm -hmm. like it's a weird thing when you say oh it's a it's a slasher like i was telling people about it um you know like like we've been doing this long enough now our friends will ask us like what are you watching this week and you know like what's it about and that's my wife was like oh what's the movie and i I told her intruder and i was like and she's like uh what is i've never heard of that what's it about and i'm like well it's a grocery store based slasher and she was just like what like how does that work and i was like it's actually like interesting how they do it and like they do use, like, the grocery store. They utilize it as, like, a setting to make kills happen. Which they should. If they're going mm-hmm. to have an enclosed set mm-hmm. and um, a movie that literally takes place in one spot where we don't have the freedom to move around, you really should utilize the set itself. Yep. Which, is again, makes me wish they had gone with one of their original titles. Correct. Uh, no Rotten Tomatoes score. It has a 51% audience score from Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. So 51% of viewers or uh, readers on the site like it. Um, but a lot of websites have really good things to say about yeah. it. Uh, HorrorNews.net said it's one of the greatest entries in the slasher boom of the 80s. And um, Bloody Disgusting rated it 3 out of 5 stars and wrote, It's certainly no horror classic, but for stalwart gorehounds, Intruder is sweet, sweet mana. Um, so it's definitely one of those like cult classics like no one really knew about. Like it it's this resurgence we've had of older movies is what brought it back to the forefront because uh, it did not do much in oh that is night awful. of the intruder i guess it's another, another title cover. um b what do you think of the poster there's a there's a couple there's, different posters so there's like one million trillion posters and because there's not a lot of data on the box office itself it's kind of i couldn't really track down what the official theatrical poster was so I'm going to talk about the that's the one I've seen the most. That is the most common DVD cover, and if you rent it on Amazon Prime, which is what I did, um, you go on Amazon, you type it in. Um, this is a the poster that pops up. So it is, and I this I think is the best poster. I'm absolutely in love with it. So it's got a lot of like Saul Bass vibes. Where if you don't know who Saul Bass is, he's probably one of the most famous graphic designers. Um, Hitchcock fans will recognize his name for doing, um, the man with the golden arm poster. He's responsible for, he's one of the first guys to make title credits a big thing. So North by Northwest, the title credits are done by him. Um, there's kind of some controversy over how much influence he had in, um, Psycho, Mm. um, over his input, uh, visually, uh, I know, that's been uh, talked about here and there. So big Hitchcock uh, promoter and then just a m- massive, very famous graphic designer. 
look up his stuff if you're into poster design and stuff. He's super talented, but this poster has intruder going across it and they make the intruder um, look like it's sort of like a building and then you have the shadow going down and you can see um, a silhouette of a man with an axe in his hand like cut out of the eye and then at the top of the poster it leads up and you can just see a set of eyes staring and of course the they have Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi um, headlining on the poster Minor character. Bruce Campbell is a cameo. He's a cameo. Does he have a line? I mean, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He he plays a police officer. Sam Raimi, the famous director, has a couple lines. Definitely not the star of the movie. No. His brother, Ted Raimi, is in it a lot more. Yes. Also not the star. star, Supporting cast. Not the killer. Not the final girl. Not even the final girl's boyfriend. Nope. So, of course, they have to do that because that's going to help sell. Um, But I think it's a a very successful poster. Um, I agree. Beautiful typography and takes you in the right place and looks more menacing than the actual film. Uh, Yeah. It's bold. It's very bold. Mm -hmm. It's it's all, like, red, black, and white, Mm -hmm. uh, which I really like. And also, um, uh, I'm a fan of minimalism. So, like... I kind of like, like, I think less is more, and it definitely does that well. It, for me, like, there's the type in the middle they could get rid of from the producer of Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and from Death Hold On, but I get it. Like, they need to sell the DVD. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a solid poster, and that's definitely the best one. Most of the other posters are awful. So I was reading um, that the, and I know this isn't the actual poster that came out, Theatrically, because I guess the two official posters that came out originally gave away the killer mm-hmm. um, in both of them. And so if you look up some of the posters, and I'll, I'll post all of these, um, you can see, you find out who the intruder is, and then you realize that it's the the owner of the shop. Like, right. it gives which it away on the twi- cover. Which is a twist. Which is a twist, and they're giving it away. And so they even have an illustrated cover, you can tell. Mm-hmm. You see the mustache and everything. You can definitely tell, hey, the guy on the cover with a butcher knife in his hand, hmm, that's the owner of the shop. So it takes away some suspense in the kind of whodunit because you're like, oh, who's the intruder that they try and play in the movie? It's not super successful, but they try. And obviously, whoever designed the poster didn't care. Yep. Uh, I. I don't like any of it. That one's probably the one I like the most after the like the most common one. Well, um, it's funny is that too. a Scream Factory release poster? I mean, it, it looks, like, looks it. like it's very stylized like that. But it might just be a fan poster. Um, it's it's illustrated, but my favorite is that even the tagline "He's just crazy about this store" gives away the killer. Yep. So no, don't do that. <sighs> Um, that is... Sometimes it's fun when you watch a movie and you can go back and then you're like, holy shit, you can tell who the killer is by looking at this or like this gave you It's like you the a back clue. cover of Urban Legend. Rebecca Gayhart is like huge on the back cover of Urban Legend. And when you know who the killer is, you're like, oh, that's why she's so big. Or what's that part in Urban Legend in, in Latin, right? The best friend did yeah. it? Yeah. Like when you go back and you can see something, you're like, oh man, that's so cool yeah. to know. But when you just like, hey, this guy's a killer, you're like, And then well, you're watching sucks. the movie and you're like, oh, wow, that's him. Like sometimes it's established. Like when Michael Myers is on the cover of a Halloween movie, I know what I'm getting into and I expect that. But when you're watching a movie 
like that waits until the last 15 minutes of the movie to reveal who the killer is, that kind of ruins it. Yeah. Uh, the taglines are really, really, really bad. Uh, they're the <laughs> most generic. So he's just crazy about the store is probably the most um, like uh, non-generic tagline. It's the one that fits the movie. The rest of the, the taglines you could literally throw onto any, any horror, horror movie. movie poster. Unnerving, unrelenting, diabolical. A new dimension in terror. If this one does not does not scare you, not doesn't scare you. If this one does not scare you, you're already dead. These sound like taglines from the fifties, like in those when they would like show the like the trailers from the fifties, and it'd be like you know like a new dimension in terror, and it'd yeah. pop up with like crazy font. <laughs> Awful. It'd it's just like, be like really bad, like black and white animation. Yeah, like. I feel like I don't. Like, I almost don't believe these are taglines. Like, it's just the laziest. So that probably goes with the fact that the post, the original poster designs, there was probably no art department, no budget for that. Mm-hmm. And they just had somebody like, here, put this together yep. so it can be released. Yeah. Which there, the- there was no art department behind the poster or the taglines, which normally is going to be the same people. Uh, no sequels ever made, no reboots, nothing like that. <clears throat> it could um, have a sequel. Oh, it totally could. Um, it could have a sequel. It could have a remake. I, I mean, I think it'd be fine. Like, My Bloody Valentine showcased how creepy grocery stores can be. Uh, so I definitely think it could have a remake, even. Um, if anybody had ever heard of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's definitely... It's not Curtain's level of obscurity, but it's not... I, I mean, I think I heard about it from Shockwaves, like, randomly. And there's also, like, three horror movies called Intruder the, or Intruders. Yeah. Um, Again, bad title. Although yeah. I'm sure the night crew is just as popular as the night shift. Uh, Basil Poldoris, I think is how you pronounce it, did the score. Okay. Be- very famous I'm going to have to go on record and say this is my least favorite score out of any movie we've watched. Um, it was so bad. So it's really weird because I agree it's not good. But what's weird is he went on to do very famous movies. Conan, um, the original Conans with Arnold, uh, Robocop, and The Hunt for Red October. I'm not like... RoboCop, I slightly remember. It's a little more synth wavy, um, but I'm not going on record saying like those are great scores. They're very famous movies. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, like, they definitely you don't hear anyone being like, "God, it's a great movie," but the score is fucking terrible. So, I think he got better. <laughs> uh, God, but what? we've just been talking about. I don't, how... I don't know if it's the worst. I really it's... hated Slaughter High. <laughs> no, but okay. <laughs> no, but at least that was just the one thing, and that's all it did. Nine hundred times. Okay, this movie. When you know how we were talking about, like, oh, I could tell this was a good score because they really knew, like, when there was different moods in the right, film. Right, they told a story with the with the oh music. Oh my god, this one! It seriously was just like, and then some violin. And then some, like, clanging, and then it'd be, like, this really upbeat beat, and then it'd be, like, oh, no, shoot, this moment's supposed to be scary, and then it'd, like, start up with, like, boom, boom, boom. It was so all over the place, and it took me out of the movie every single time. It was driving me crazy. It didn't take me out of the movie. It was enough for me to notice and be, like, this is a weird score, and then, like, normally, I'm not super big on scores unless they're super good, and I know I should get better at that, but... It's, it's usually when, a, like, it stands out to me when I'll go and, like, search it out. But this one, I was like, what is this? And so when I went and looked it up and saw who it was, I was like, oh, well, like, 
and this is at the be- more at the beginning of his career because he's gone on to do very very big things. Um, but to me, it, it is it's a guy who wasn't a genre guy really at all. Um, didn't really do was a lot after do this. Um, yeah, went on to do a lot of action and like drama. Um, and kind of like okay. you can tell it's like I don't know quite how to score this. So this is my guess at what horror movies no, sound like for sure. And I think that's what it was. Yeah. A lot of like okay, here I'm doing this thing, and I think I'm building tension, but I'm not. And then it'd be, and I seriously think he'd get to a part where like oh, there's a decapitated head. He's like oh shit, this needs to be a creepier noise. Boom, boom, and then it'd be like the piano would go like deeper. I think maybe I was just hyper aware of the score. Because the sound in this movie, I have never heard fake punching more in my entire life. The whole opening. <laughs> Especially, there's like a fight scene between like, so the oh. quote unquote intruder is uh, the main character, uh, Jennifer's ex-boyfriend, Craig. Who just got out of jail for accidentally killing somebody when he was drunk. Yeah. And so the, the, like, the beginning of the movie starts with him coming in and harassing her and then like, there's this big scuffle, and then it happens they a few more times. They throw, like, 20 punches back and forth, and it's like, boom, boom, They're pretty, like, it's. it reminds me a lot of, like... It's real campy. 70s TV-style punching. Like, but, like, the, that's... So part of, like, this whole movie, and I think it's... I do think it's a little charming, is you can tell that they had, like... They probably were like, dude, you got 12 days to shoot this. Oh, like, I for mean, sure. Like, you can tell that it's, like... Hey man, we got this budget. We can't choreograph fights. We can't spend a lot of money on this poster design. Uh, who can do the score? This guy who's just starting his career, maybe? Sure, you got it. Oh, yes. Like, this and, is a labor of inexperience. Right. It's a labor of inexperience from a lot of people who would go on to do bigger and better things because it doesn't end there. Like the score is done by someone who would go on to do very famous things. Um, the director is Scott Spiegel. It's his directorial debut. He almost does nothing else, but he wrote Evil Dead 2, and he works with Sam Raimi a ton in his career after this. Um, so he's very, like, well-respected in the horror world because he pops up a lot of, uh, like, in cameos. He kind of has, like, he's one of those guys who kind of has writing credits everywhere, but he's not credited everywhere for it. Um, and then, um, Lawrence Bender, who also wrote the story, so, like, the framework for this, would go on to work with Tarantino on, like, a slew of movies. Mm -hmm. So, it's a lot of people who have talent and noticeably have talent, but it's, like, all of their first big project. Like, you look them up on IMDb and they've done, like, a TV show here and there or, like, a music video or, or, like, some shorts, but, like, this was, like... It's basically because Toby Hooper was attached to direct it at one point, and he didn't obviously. So I feel like they probably went to Sam Raimi and they're like, "Hey, you want to do this?" And he's like, "Not really, but I, my buddy Scott can do it." And Les like, "Here you go, Scott." Like threw him a bone because this has got to be after Evil Dead come, came out, right? Um, yeah. Um, so it, yeah, Sam because Sam Raimi, Ted Raimi, all in it. Um, yeah, eighty one. Yeah, the original yeah. Evil Dead is eighty one. So like Sam Raimi was uh, not just established, but like in the horror community was a name already. Um, so I feel like he was like, hey, you know, my buddy Scott, who I work with a lot, he's been itching to direct something. You know, something like that probably happened. So I do like. I no. agree. I totally agree yeah. with you. I like that about this yeah. movie. I like that it really feels like. A group of people got together and put a movie together in a weekend and produced something, mm-hmm. you know, pretty good. Mm-hmm. It still does not make up for the fact no. that those punches were just out of this world. What yeah. a, 
There was something else. Like, God, I should have wrote it down. Was it the fight scene behind the building? Well, all the fight scenes, the, just the sound. But there was yeah. one other sound effect that kept popping up. And I'm like, oh, my God. That it was just, like, extra loud and campy. Mm-hmm. Like, just really campy. Um, maybe it was cash registers opening, because I feel like that was a big one. But yeah. anything that made a noise, like yeah. the cans opening, like, yeah. it just was like, let's turn that up and make sure they can hear. <laughs> um, so that, that is, covers the director and writer, Scott Spiegel, who, like I said, would go on to do a lot of stuff with Sam Raimi. If you guys don't know who Sam Raimi is, he's incredibly famous in the horror community. He's incredibly famous outside of horror yeah. now. He made, he's made the first, uh, two Evil Dead's Army of Darkness. He made the Darkman series. He would go on to uh, do Spider-Man for Sony. Spider-Man yeah. 1, 2, and 3, the original trilogy with Tobey Maguire. The, the good ones. Um, <laughs> they're good. They're not the best, um, in my opinion. But, I mean, they they would... Spider-Man 3, for a long time, was the highest grossing movie of all time. So, I mean... And then he went on... He did Drag Me to Hell. I was going to say Drag um, Me to he Hell. He did yeah. uh, Oz the Great and Powerful. Um, mm. He's definitely... Which he's, is very horrific. Have you guys he, seen Oh, yeah. yeah. Super dark. Yeah. Very dark. I, I think part of the reason it didn't do it. Yeah. Um, but, I mean... I think... I mean, Drag Me to Hell is one of my favorite, like, m- more contemporary horror movies. I think Sam Raimi is an incredible director. Um, so, I mean, he was... He was involved in this. Obviously, he acted in it. He's not the best actor. He definitely needs to stick with um, uh, directing. But lots of big people involved. Um, Is this... Have we doubled over any actors? Um, maybe, like, some of these guys. Well, like I was going to say, ones, but I don't like, know. Ted Raimi was in Blood Rage. No, he wasn't, was he? Yeah, he was the condom salesman. Oh my god, yeah, yes. So I was yeah. like, is this our first double? It might be, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Ted Raimi will probably pop up a couple more times. He's yeah. one of those guys that like people search out to cameo in their horror movies specifically. He's like an I over really the top. liked him in this I one. I love Ted Raimi. Yeah. He's really over the top and he knows it. He's kind of a goofy looking guy. Um, and in this movie, the whole movie is just listening to his Walkman. <laughs> yeah. Like cutting meat, like kind of just like hanging out, like cutting things up. Um I, yeah, just I, like yeah, a lot of light in his eyes. Yeah, his name yeah. in it is literally he's Crotus Joe. Crotus Joe. I love it. Um, yeah. Uh, so Sam and Ted Raimi are both in it as minor characters, Randy and Crotus Joe, um, and the Bruce Campbell, as we said, has a very brief cameo <laughs> at the end of the movie as Officer Howard. Um, Elizabeth Cox is Jennifer Ross. She was really like pretty well established in the eighties for a minute there. She's in this Night of the Creeps and The Wrath, which were all like mildly successful horror movies. Drops completely out of everything after that um uh, renee estevez as the other like lead female character she was in a ton of tv movies she, she related to the other estevez's not that i saw um the very famous estevez's slash yeah. sheens yeah um she is in west wing which martin she yeah. is um she was also on jag she did like a lot of those kind of like shows mm. um and then lots of tv movies uh bill roberts who spoiler that's our killer horrible actor <laughs> Just the worst actor. Uh, if you're listening to this, uh, <laughs> sorry, Dan. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Dan Hicks. But I mean, you got it made because Sam Raimi's your buddy. He's in. He has a cameo in Dark Earth. He shows up at Dark Man. Shows up in Spider Man Two. Shows up in Wishmaster. Which I wish we like. I wish there was someone we could cover Wishmaster because I love that movie. Sam Raimi produced it, but um, very involved in like Sam Raimi. Like they must be friends. Uh, they must. They be. have to be. There's no other. There's no other reason that he would be in these Damn. movies. 
we tried to find where he was in Spider-Man 2, but we can't even... Is he like a neighbor or something? I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then David Burns is Craig Peterson, who is, uh, for like most of the movie, who we believe is the killer. Um, and he also didn't do like anything else except randomly show up in Witchcraft 7 and 9. Uh, I've never watched the Witchcraft series at all. It does not seem like it's going to be in my wheelhouse of things I'd enjoy. I know there's like 20 of them. What? Oh, there's. I don't know about this. There's so many. There's so, witchcraft and witch board are these weird like film franchises that just have a ton of movies. There's thirteen movies in witchcraft. Those look like um, horror sex on the frontier books. Yeah, and look like I mean, 1992 was when number four came out. So they like they. I think the newest one was like just a couple years ago. Next time they do one of those those uh like low poles it's like oh put uh, the horror movie from the year that you were born i'm gonna put witchcraft for the virgin hold on let me get the full title the virgin, the virgin heart. heart witchcraft so, 666 the devil something this just don't look good to me so i probably will never get we're gonna that. watch no, on my birthday next oh. year uh we're gonna watch witchcraft for the virgin heart in celebration of its 27th right. anniversary you heard it here listeners <laughs> Remind us to watch that movie. Um, we won't talk about it. We promise. So the supporting and cameo uh, cast is much more famous than the actual like uh, core yeah. cast of the movie. Which is why they're headlined on the cover. Mm-hmm. And B mentioned it before we started recording. Elizabeth Cox is not the best actress either. No. I like her hair in this movie. If that does anything for anybody. I enjoy it. It's very 80s. Well, very early 90s. This was yeah. finally, as we were watching this, I was like... Well, you start to see that turn. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can see the turn to the 90s. All right. Um, we're almost there, man. If we had to classify it, I think just Colt oh, Slasher. Yeah, it's um, a Colt Slasher for sure. It has the attention it has because of the Remy's. Yes, absolutely. Like, Otherwise, it'd probably be curtain status obscure. Yes. Uh, I don't think... It's not, cur- it's not curtain status quality. No. But it's definitely that level of, like, it would be that level of obscurity if not for Bruce Campbell and the Raimis. Mm-hmm. Um, no iconic weapon, no theme killer or anything in this. I mean, the use of the grocery store. Is cool. Um, is cool. Mm-hmm. And they definitely do utilize it in a lot of kills. Mm-hmm. What they really utilize it in is the sort of after kill scenes, which I think is what this movie succeeds at the most, mm-hmm. is the... Uh, not actually the kill scene that we see, but how our killer sets up for our final girl to find, which I think is an element in slashers that we do get a lot. And we haven't covered it too much. It hasn't popped up a ton yet, but I do think that this is the first one where I'm like, oh yeah, that's something that, you know, you do see in slashers where it's sort of like, this is, I'm going to put the eyeball in this jar and he's going to, it's, Trying to help build suspense throughout the film. Like, oh, we're almost going to... Like, Slumber Party Massacre does it. Where, like, oh, my God, these characters, like, might stumble upon mm-hmm. this body part or this, you know, this person dying. Mo- a lot of... The original Friday the 13th, there's, like, bodies in certain places where the characters could stumble upon it. So that whole time that you, the watcher, is kind of going, like, oh, no, is he going to pull out the eye instead of the olive out of the jar? Or, oh, when she goes to get that beer, is she going to see the head? When they go get the meat out of the freezer, and he's, like, looking through it, and it's like, oh, I think this meat is spoiled, but then you know there's a hand in one, one of those packages. Like, you know the killer's setting that up. You don't just take a hand and yeah, find it in a wrapped package. So that's part, 
my favorite part about this film that they do really well. It's interesting we haven't run into that yet. And I was thinking, because, like, I mean, Scream does that a lot. Yeah. Um, and then another one, um, Black Christmas, I feel like, does that a lot. Yeah. Um, so that is, that's interesting because, and like you said, Friday and stuff, it's funny that you mentioned, like, this movie does that because those are all, like, upper echelon yeah. slashers to me. Which is, again, how you can tell that you have people who understand the horror genre mm-hmm. behind this. And they, like, they enjoy it and they're passionate about it. But Just it's, lack of experience. Yeah, it's, it's all lack of experience. And money. And, yeah, definitely money. Yeah. Uh, so the killer is Bill Roberts, who <laughs> is the co-owner of the grocery store. Um, it's, he's, like, the rags to riches guy. He started out as the butcher and then he worked, he his, worked way his way up. up to co-owning the store, but he only has 49% share. And part of the storyline is, you know, we get, we find out that this is the night crew. The grocery store is open all night, but it's very slow. And so they do, they have other duties like stalking. And the two owners come out and you can kind they establish very early on that the, um, what is the other owner's name? Is it Danny? He's the one who's stabbed through the eye. Yeah, Danny. Um, so Danny's obviously, he's the head owner. He's mm. sort of doesn't appreciate um, the other guy. And you can tell he's like sort of taken, doesn't feel like he's appreciated and his role is taken very seriously. And they definitely establish that. So they go and they talk to the night crew and say, hey, we're selling the store. Um, and... Uh, Sorry, but we're going to mark everything down, and here we are. Yeah, that's, like, how it sets up is, like, they're there that night to liquidate, basically. So they're marking everything down. And Bill is like, I'm sorry, guys. Like, this isn't really my decision, but I only have 49%. So they make that clear, and they do sort of give us this background to our characters, which helps make gives our motive for our killer being bill so yeah and so here's the thing though so bill the original thing is he's just going to kill the co-owner so that he can own the store and he's going to keep it but then like he's a very over-the-top actor and he like has this like weird twang it's not quite an accent just like a twang and he when he's explaining why he's doing it he literally he like literally says he just was he's like i got carried away yeah so the motive is like understandable but i don't love it it's kind of silly it's pretty weak so the motive is really strong for him killing the co-owner the Mm co-owner and then killing everyone else is just like well i just got carried away with it and that's like pretty much how he says it too he's like oh i just like it's almost like i mean it's it it it, like ryan ryan he went into a blood rage. Yeah. Oh my god. He went into a blood rage. <laughs> no, that's he really literally did. what happened. No, that is what happened. And like, like perfectly with oh. with a better actor and maybe a little more time, they could have sold like this man is a sociopath. Yeah, and that like switched his flip of like normal person person who's surviving with these su- flipped his switch. He said switch his flip. Gabizo, gazebo, whatever. <laughs> no, not whatever. Gabizo's not a word. It's a gazebo. But key cars. Yeah, that one makes a little more sense. Um, not really. But <laughs> they almost could have done it with a better actor, yeah, or be- like more time or attention to like the script detail. But they don't, 
And so it just and comes off get a, a little blood rage. goofy. And said he gets a blood rage. Uh, there are eight <laughs> total deaths away. in the movie. Um, so we have Linda, who's the best friend. She's the first to die. She's stabbed in the chest with a knife. As she's leaving, too. This is part of the story that seemed like a little contrived, almost. So she gets a call from, like, her husband or her boyfriend, and he wants her to bring her beer. And it's like, why is this part of the story? Like, this seems unnecessary, whatever. And then I'm like, as she's leaving, I'm like, wait, is she just going on her lunch? Because they all went on her their lunch while she was leaving. Yeah, and they like, had, like, a group lunch. They had, like, a group lunch together. And then she gets killed when she's, like, leaving to go home to her boyfriend or husband or wife or whoever. And it's like... Made it slightly confusing for no... Maybe that was just me, but I was like, wait, is she supposed to be coming back? Because then they made a comment where it's like, oh, she never went home. I don't know. It was this whole thing, but she actually gets oh, killed yeah, outside true. of the grocery store. I didn't store. think about that. Yeah, it was, like, little, oh, yeah okay. it was a little weird for like really no reason. They could have made that really simple. Hey, I'm off. Or, hey, I'm going on lunch. I'll be back. Yeah. I think that's what it was. I think so. But who knows? Um, her death is not on screen. No. Um, Joe is next. He's hacked in the head with a knife. Um, that's Protus Joe, right? Yes. Um, yeah, which that scene, it's not, it's not super cool, but it's set up well. Like, I love. Like, he keeps bringing the cleaver back, and it's, like, making you think. Like, it, it's a good setup for Well, it. and the best part about this kill, and it makes it kind of one of my favorites, is that as produce joe like falls down the camera you just see like his head is in the way and then when his head drops down what his head was blocking was a sign that said um knives are sharp be careful with knives i'm like Mm -hmm. that's great there's a lot of like i said the after kill shots are really cool in this and then they do a lot of really cool um kind of like one of the only good things in slaughter high that we saw were like some cool setup shots Mm -hmm. This movie is like, you could tell they were just experimenting. Yeah. and There were so many setup shots. Like, there's this one scene where you can see, like, uh, Bill and the knife that she's holding. And it's like, they they stand still on that scene for, like, four or five seconds to make sure that you see it. You can tell they do a lot of experimenting with that. And also, it's like, it's very, um, there's a lot of, like, tongue-in-cheek because these guys, like, if you haven't seen the Evil Dead and Dark Man series, like, they're very... They're horror movies, but they're, like, super, like, really bizarre comedy, too. They're weird. Evil Dead is a super weird movie. Yeah, Evil Dead's very weird. Like, oh, if you try to describe Evil Dead to someone, like, it's so, like, you're like, oh, like, they read this book, and then, like, this tree rapes lady, and then, like... Yeah, and it's, like, (sighs) not a comedy, but then it really kind of is. And then, like, Evil Dead 2 is just, like basically a remake of the it's first a remake one, but it's like more funny it's so weird uh yeah so but you can you can see all that in this yeah. because it's the writer of evil dead and like it, it's like b said though like they're it's like it's it's a bunch of guys who like horror movies having fun with what they can they're like we got no budget let's do what we can with this um tim is next he's impaled through the stomach with a knife um bub is the fourth kill uh head no. crush the first kill is the boss. No, he's the, he doesn't die until yeah. he's beheaded, right? Well, okay, so he's not actually dead, but he's the first one. He gets right. stabbed through the eye. So he gets stabbed through the eye with like one of those 
in the old days, you we would put your receipts. You'd when you put your receipts them. on like it's a it's spike. called a spindle, but like it's it's just a spike. Yeah, you slam your receipts through them, so he gets stabbed in the eye by that, and then he's beheaded later. And that's another scene where you could tell they're like, "Oh, let's try and play with this." So his blood drips onto the light fixture. Oh, that was cool. Yeah, yeah and that's so really cool. it it fills the light. And then when you go to, like, peek through into the office, you just see the office is just red. Yeah. Because the light is being shown through his blood. Right. So that's the thing about this movie is that there's so many moments like that that you're like, oh, okay, I see what they're trying to set up here that were really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry if you hear bees dogs. They, they are excited because someone's at the door. They got pizza. Yeah. Just the dogs saying. got pizza. Yeah. Just... Yeah. we. They ordered their dogs pizza. Yeah. They're eating normal food. Mm-hmm. Not that pizza's not normal food. <laughs> uh, we but... <laughs> eat normal food in this house, yeah, not, not pizza. pizza. Uh, Bub is next with his head crushed with a compact here, which I feel is definitely like the first one to really take advantage of like the grocery store setting. Wait, is that the stoner guy? Yes. Yeah. I was like, um, it has to be. Yeah, because Randy is next. That's Sam Raimi's character, and he's like the butcher. He's impaled through the jaw by a hook, and well, he's then hung beh- up. Like, um, he's hung up like a, like, meat slap, uh, when you see him in, like, a freezer. Um, Dave is beheaded, this one's gnarly, Mm -hmm. uh, beheaded with a bandsaw. Like, through his face? Dude, through, like, literally the middle of his face. Um, and, like, I, I've seen this movie before. I watched it probably, like, two, three years ago. I forgot they full on were like, nope, we're going to show it. Like, full on, like, right through the middle of his head. You watched the Blu-ray, correct? Was it like it? Mm -hmm. Oh, no. You watched it on Amazon Prime? Yeah. I think there's like an unrated version. I don't know if what we watched was everything or not. So if we're describing these kills and they don't seem to match up with what you watch, we both watch on Amazon Prime. I'd be curious to see. I felt like that was really graphic. So that one is. What I was noticing in the, in the beginning, I thought like maybe this is like a like an not like a cut version, is that each kill gets progressively more, more gory, right. mm-hmm. and you go from not seeing it to being like I mean the the eye one is like pretty gory, but you don't see a lot. They like cut away, right? And then you just see the blood dripping. So it's kind of cool because each kill. They show you like a little, little bit more until you get to this one where you literally see, including the version we saw, like right. right through the head. Again, I wonder if it's budget. Like we don't have enough for special effects for all these kills. Yeah, so just pick a couple and we'll amp up to them. Mm-hmm. The compactor was another one too that I thought was a really cool setup. Like yeah. they do the silhouette thing in that, which was mm-hmm. really cool. Um, the bread man shows up and he's stabbed in the back with a knife. Um, and then finally that's... Danny reappears and he's finally beheaded with a cleaver. He was the one who was stabbed in the eye with a spindle. He didn't die from that. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, it leads to a pretty goofy ending. Um, the, with, uh, yeah, yeah, I got to the movie, like, after he dies and you can tell, like, all right, this is our final girl scene. Mm-hmm. You have, like, Craig comes back and she's this whole time thinking it's Craig. Yep. And so she stabs him with a hook mm-hmm. through the neck. And he goes on the ground and she and then Bill comes up and she's like, Oh God, and he's like, Don't worry, I'm gonna call the cops, everything's okay. And then at that point, if you didn't already guess, you know 
it's him. You're like, okay, yeah, it's definitely him. Like, he's acting hella shady. And where has he been this whole time? And so you know it's him. And, of course, she sees what it, he, something happens and he looks to her and, like, chases after her. She sees he's covered in blood. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he hugs her. Yeah. Says that. I was like, there's something... He hugs her and he's like, oh, I'm going to go call the cops. And then she like feels like her side and sees that there's blood on her hand. It fills her back and realizes that she's covered in blood that was on him. She realizes. And then he chases after her mm-hmm. and progresses into a pretty cheesy, like, fine. It's not like Slaughter High level bad whatsoever. No, 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 no. It's not bad. It's just. I just, the phone booth stuff in particular and like the back and forth of Craig and Bill. Yes. And then like I really, really dislike. So at the very, very end. the cops Bad are... choreography. Yeah. She does some really awkward running through the aisles where she's like <laughs> flailing and running very slowly. Um, And then when, what I hated the most probably is the end. And like Bill is all like beaten because craig and um jennifer have been fighting him off and and like the cops show up and bill's like it was them and they just arrest them like the cops are like well okay you said it was them so like it's just them and like they're like they're literally sitting there telling him like it wasn't us it was this guy and they're like well you're arrested i did not like that oh i liked it i did not like that's not i mean okay Craig, they had already previously called the cops. Right, they had. And Craig has Craig a had record. just gotten right. out of prison for accidentally killing somebody. But, like, it's like you said, this could lead to a sequel because that's very much something that you'd be able to prove, like, we did not do this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, no, for sure. But I kind of like the sadistic ending where he gets away with it and our final girl and guy actually get arrested. That's kind of like a very dark, like, nope. Sorry, you survived and it doesn't matter. You're going to jail anyways. Because in that situation, if you were a cop, who are you going to believe? Right. The guy who got called, you already have been called and said this guy's harassing the store. He just got released out of jail for killing somebody accidentally. Right. So you did one, two strikes, and then you have a store of dead people and a guy right there saying, he did it, he did it. Arresting Jennifer is suspicious, but, you know, obviously once they got and then got all the stories, they'd figure out it wasn't them. But on first note, I, if I was the cop, I'd be like, yes, this guy, for sure. Arrest him. Yeah, that's true. I guess I can see that. I just, and well, uh, before we started to, uh, Beat's husband, Ben, was like, gave a very good impression of, because like, <laughs> Bill, <laughs> Bill's laying on the ground, like all like, you know, unconscious because he's blood loss and beaten and he like at the very end like in, while they're in the car he like opens his eyes so and he, like, yeah he basically is like Bleh! and he like opens <laughs> his eyes and jennifer screams um which is goofy as shit yeah really goofy um but like i mean it, it's like we said i mean i think it's fun and i think you can see there's a lot of talent behind it i think there's a lot of like they take chances with what they can um my my favorite kill is easily the bus saw, the bandsaw, for me. Um, I really I do enjoy like the head and the knife of Produce Joe. I think is good. I think the combatter kill is good. I really like the idea of um, Randy hanging up from the meat hook, like making it look like the meat slab. I think that's all good. But God, that I mean, it's for a movie that's so low budget and like it's not like over the top gory, but it's all it's definitely not like shy on it. Um, that well, and kill then I in love particular that. That is his head, I think. Well, I love how he just ends up chopping up everybody's body. Yes. But um, I do really like when she's like, 
or Jennifer is running around and she's like hiding by the beer and then I think that's Dave's head. I think so. Yeah. Um is just um like right there up there by the beer and she sees it. And so that is like I think I'm going to continue with that. My favorite kills in this movie are all of the, like the after set. Well, and that's like you're right. Like one of the f- most fun parts of the movie is her running around the store and finding and out everyone's dead. Yeah, uh, because like the way she discovers people is, or yeah, and like coming down the conveyor. Um, that was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was like her boyfriend, dude. No, that was uh one of the that was Sam Raimi's character. oh oh that's uh randy randy um like comes down the conveyor and she sees Mm -hmm. him like oh so like all of those and then we've got the owner when she's like well her boyfriend dave right yeah that's her he's the last one to die is like her current boyfriend he's like upstairs in the attic and like trying to warn her that craig is down there yes yeah um and then we have Danny up there, like, not dead, trying to escape. It's, like, so much, like, cool kind of chaos going on. Um, I do want to point out, too, because uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this. Uh, Dan Hicks is Bill Roberts. There is a line in this movie where they're talking about going up in the attic because they're like, oh, yeah. oh man, I think, I think I know where he's hiding. Like, the stoner guy's like, I think he, I know where he's hiding. And he's like where and he's like the attic and he's like is that where i caught you smoking that wacky tobacco and i text that to b when because she texts me she's like this movie is weird so i sent her that quote and then she told me today she's like i didn't think that was a thing like when you sent it to me i was like why is he sending this this can't be real and then even when he gets up there too he says something it is weird i didn't even think about it he does kind of have this weird twang the whole movie but it's not like an accent no No. it's like this weird like character voice it was filmed in so it's filmed in california i think it's supposed to take place in like michigan or something we don't have accents here it's their whole hometown and michigan accents are like canadian uh so i don't know what the hell the accent is and but it's a character accent yeah and he has a couple like weird like nomenclatures too like he's like he said he's looking in the attic and i can't remember what he says but he like looks and he's like oh it's as dark as like i can't remember now but when i watched i was like what the hell is that line like he just (laughs) says a couple things and it's definitely i think it was something he decided to do uh, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It's super fun, like all the post kills, but my favorite kill is the beheaded with a bandsaw. Yeah, I'm going to go with the knife one just because I love the when setup. His, yeah, the yeah. setup when his head drops down and you see the sign warning you about knives. That's just too, too good for me. Um, position in horror landscape is definitely cult status. It has a recent resurgence just because I think people are finding out about it and talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you should watch it. Uh, yes. It's, it's definitely something like... It's not like one of those movies where you're like, oh, man, this was made for, you know, like, this was, like, the 90s and early 2000s had a lot, a lot of stuff that was hard to get through because it's when, like, home recorders came, like, out and, like, you can make, anyone can make a movie. Mm-hmm. But this is like, hey, if these are guys that we see some talent in, we're going to throw a very shoestring budget at them and let's see what they do with it. And it's like, it's kind of a goofy cast and it's like, a, realistically, a concept that sounds super dumb and it works. And it's, and it's fun. Yeah. So, like, as a whole, the movie's not that successful, but all the little pieces are so, um, have so much value that it it's worth watching and you have a lot of fun with it. I think I had to get, I had to get past, like, the really campy fight scene in the beginning because I text Ryan, like, 
was like, oh, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I need a break from the 80s. Like, mm-hmm. I was like the, having the like excessive punching and I was like, I just need a, a little break from, from the 80s slashers because as I do love them, I just, you can't watch like the same thing over and over and over. Um, and I'm like ready for another style of slasher. But with that being said, as soon as it kind of got through that wackiness of that and kind of got into like the heart of the store, uh, heart of what the film was, which mm-hmm. is way more of a like, you know, kind of fun whodunit suspense. I mean, it's not really a whodunit. They kind of give it away pretty easily. You know, it's not Craig, but yeah. regardless, you know, it takes you on the ride once you start getting to the kills and um the cast being more suspicious and kind of doing their things and you get a little bit of a moment for which each character before they're killed that's when it really starts like succeeding and I started seeing like all of the heart and work in this movie which made it super enjoyable um so I definitely think like Ryan was saying this isn't one that is like super painful to get through whatsoever Mm -hmm. it is a lot of fun I think the most painful part is really honestly the setup it's short. And it's, it's short. No, the movie's minutes. short. There and even, is an unrated version. It's five yeah. minutes longer. Yeah. Um, and we might have watched the unrated version. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely think that this is, you know, a good movie. Yeah. And like there's, I mean, there's a lot of things to, I just, it, it, like, you can, like you said too, you can see it's moving out of the 80s too because you lose that archetype of characters. Like you mm-hmm. have your one stoner dude, but other than that, like yeah. the girls are all equally like, yeah, like, there's no, there's not like a slut girl or a pretty girl. No. It's like, there's They're not like a people. jock. Um, you know, like you can tell Protus Joe's kind of goofy, but like, yeah. there's not, there's no like stereotypes of people. Um, which I trust me, I love a good, like, you know, I love your good classic slasher stereotypes. Yeah. I really do. But you can see like it was headed out of the eighties and you, you can definitely like tell that it's headed... getting into the more serious tones of the nineties where mm-hmm. it's like, no, this is going to be a, I think the nineties and early two thousands took it slashers, like the actual character development a little bit more seriously and tended to use the first 20 25 minutes to let you know who they are and mm-hmm. almost set it up as either what it is is a drama or a comedy and then add in the horror elements mm-hmm. um that's sort of tended to be the trend later on outside of the 80s where it really the 80s was here's a kill immediately and then we're just going to keep going and the characters don't really matter starting yeah. to move out of that with yeah they one. were slasher fodder at that mm-hmm. point um so like i said at the beginning of the episode at the end of every episode we rank our movies you can find that list at keepscreaming.com slash the dash list we have reviewed let's see we've done 12 movies so far so this will be our lucky number 13 so i guess we have a little bit of a friday the 13th time yeah. there there we go um number one is my bloody valentine from 1981 and our last one is april fool's day at number 12 uh in between we have happy death day at two urban legend at three my Bloody Valentine 3D uh, at 4, Hatchet at 5, Silent Night, Deadly Night at uh, 6, Most Likely to Die at 7, Blood Rage at 8, Curtains at 9, and Terror Train at 10, uh, Slaughter High at 11. Uh, if you go back and listen to the April Fool's Day episode, you'll find out we really, really like that movie. It's just not really a slasher in the conventional ways. And like, this isn't a list of our favorite slashers. This is a list of movies that we think... Um, kind of fit into the slasher mold like really portray what a slasher truly is 
Um, and what we talk about. The reason we dissect the films the way we do is because we're analyzing them as slasher films and we're also trying to understand um, and appreciate all the work that goes into these films mm-hmm. and trying to... We're going in with the, you know, we do a ton of research before we talk about this because we're conveying this to you and we don't want to come in and be like, oh, well, and just start saying stuff. And then if you know a lot about the movie, you're like, well, that's not true. And you can't make that conclusion because you don't have the right information. So what we try and do is watch the film, do all the research we can and be as as knowledgeable as we can about it before we dissect it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we have a couple criteria. We talk about the killer and we talk about the kills themselves. We talk about the character development. We talk about, you know, even the score and the poster design. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and The writing, the acting, like everything. All of that that makes the movie uh, a movie itself, but really what makes it a slasher. Mm -hmm. And so when we're ranking... We're going by that criteria is how good is the killer? Um, how good is our final girl slash cast? Um, if it's a whodunit, how good is the whodunit? Um, you know, all of those things. And when we go to die, when we go to rank them, we realize a lot of the times that some of the ones that we prefer don't work as slashers as well as the ones that maybe aren't as good of movies. Yep. Um... Yeah, and it's just go back and listen to the back episodes if you can too, because it's just been a lot of fun. Because like I, I really like curtains. I know it's number nine on our I list, keep, but like I really no, like curtains. That movie seriously stays with you. I every time we record an episode and we talk about curtains because we we go back to a lot of the episodes we talk about. I'm like, man, I really liked that movie. Yeah, it's that really, movie was just like so good. Um, so definitely do that when you can. But uh, let's see. So, kind of thinking about criteria, like you said, I think I think the kills are really fun and good, and I think there's a lot of passion and charm in this movie. Um, I don't think the whodunit's good, but I don't think it tries to be. It's not. It's never a huge part of like who's doing this, it, because like they kind of want you to think it's Craig, right? They want you to think it's Craig, and also the characters are very isolated. This isn't like a movie where like you have six characters in a house and they realize that, or like you know, twelve characters in a house or whatever, and someone's you know, somebody in the house is doing yeah, it. Yeah, like it's not like that kind of thing, or even like where you have like Scream, where it's like okay, you have this group of friends that all go to high school together and they think it's one of them. Like the the kills are so isolated that mostly it comes down to it's not until the last two that they realize people are dying. Yeah. Um, so I don't think the who done it is a aware. huge yeah. thing. Um, I'm looking right around seven eight for me. Um, I think it's just the more we talked about it, the more I liked about like I really really like Spiegel taking the chances he did experimentally with some of the shots. Um, I really think the kills are good. Uh, we just don't have a good enough killer. That's so the, the biggest. Ki- the motive is sucks, mm-hmm. which is why I'm kind of looking at like blood range range. Yeah, because I think like I think it like it's similar for me. Like blood rage is like oh we. I mean he's a sociopath. Whatever. Like I get it. Like I mean because yeah. honestly it's almost to me like Silent Night Deadly Night quality, but yeah. the motive in that is so stellar. Mm-hmm. Um, and the backstory we get on Ricky, um, yeah. so good that, like, I can't put it there. No. And most likely to die is, I think, you know, we have our motive, or, or like, our theme killer, which we enjoy. Um, and he, like, uh, also, like, the way he's dressed and everything is really cool. And we do, but we do get more backstory on that. But even that one a little bit, I'm kind of like, 
It's not super developed. It's kind of shoehorned at the end. So I'm looking at like seven, eight, because those are both movies like that we like and Mm -hmm. like had some fun kills. I think Blood Rage, you know, had some camp. Most likely I had some like just fun stuff going for it. But both the motives aren't great. Um, I, 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 oh man, I almost want to put it below Silent Night, Deadly Night. Like as our new seven? Yeah, just because like I'm look so I'm looking at mo- so most likely to die is our number seven, mm-hmm. and like when I compare the movies, like I think both the final girls suck. <laughs> I don't think that what's her name from Heather Glee? Morris. Yeah, yeah, I don't think she's a great actress. She's serviceable. She's fine. Well, that's the entire cast of that movie is, is right. They're fine. Um, I think the killer is around the same range of like, like they're both uh, they're both bad actors. Which is funny because that guy always tweets about us every time we bring up the movie. Um, they're both bad actors. And he's bad in that role. He's Let's bad in clarify that role. That. Yeah, yeah, he's bad in that role because he like he. I don't think he plays like crazy well. We brought that up in the episode. Like he doesn't sell it. Like um, what's her fate? Rebecca Gayhart. Yeah. In, in Urban Legend, there's maybe a lack of direction for right. him in that. Um. So like and like very shoehorned into the third act of that movie. Like the last fifteen minutes is what you find out is actually happening in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um. And the so, kills are better. And most likely to yeah. die. I think the kills are cool. I also you think... You have that graduation cap to cap. No, it's it's very cool. And I... But, like, I'm like I'm just... I'm looking yeah. at the two, and it's like... <clears throat> I think... Like, Intruder did more with less. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm kind of looking at it that way. But does that make it a better slasher? Because it did that? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, because it's just, I don't know. They're, like, seriously so mm-hmm. close to me. Because I love the kill. He, he just looks so cool. Like, I love the killer and most likely to die. And I think, like, that that graduation cap thing is awesome. There's that scene where he, like, plays the, the fight song in the hall or in the alleyway, yeah. which is super cool. The setups are all really great, how they discover the bodies. Like, and I love that, too, where it, relating it back to the mm-hmm. yearbook is super cool. Okay, so I... Okay, I think I talked myself down yeah. to it being our new number eight. Yeah, it, yeah. I stand very firm. That's I great. Totally agree with that. I'm, and I know I'm trying to think like, am I being too defensive of most likely to die? Um, because I agree, the motives, the motive for that killer is fine. It's it, they do try and be like, well, when I knew him, and it's like not the best. Yeah. But I still think that it's better than Intruder. Um, as far as it goes with the actual kills themselves, the it it's similar in the fact that they're setting up the kills and you're discovering them, but most likely to die wraps them up a little bit better. And they're both kind of working on that theme aspect. I think that if Intruder, if we had a better actor playing our killer and... A better motive for him killing, I think mm. it could have been so easy to write in a better motive for killing the entire staff. I think if if Intruder, I think it was like, part of me wishes it had a bigger budget and part of it doesn't. Because I think they had to do really cool things with it yeah. and wanted to do cool things with it because the budget was so low. But I think if it had a bigger budget, it could be like number five, four yeah. on this list because it does have like... And Either that or a little bit, maybe it was a time issue. Yeah. Is what I'm thinking mm-hmm. is that they didn't, but they spent too much time in that movie on that final act with like 
out once they get outside the store and killing him and not killing well, him. Well, and like that I think that's a big problem. Away. The bit, the middle part of that movie is definitely the best because the beginning's kind of long too. The yeah. setup because it's like Craig shows up and then he leaves and then he shows up again and then yeah. he leaves. Okay, so I'm comfortable with it being yeah. eight. Yeah. So it's our new number eight. So it is now um, right between most likely to die and Blood Rage. Um, I'm really surprised more of you haven't reached out to us and been like, "Why is most likely to die still so high on your list?" Maybe, but it, look at the movies under it. So, yeah. uh, well, also I think most of the hate that that movie gets is because they're not slasher fans. I think slasher fans, when they watch Most Likely to Die, see what it offers, which yeah. is a lot. No, that's true. Whenever I read like something from like people who enjoy slasher movies, like they are always like, "Wow, this is a really like neat, low budget gem that you found." Also, I think. Not to toot our own horn, but I think we do a really good job of conveying why mm-hmm. it deserves to be there yeah. and why it is a good slasher, even though, you know, it's not Happy Death Day or My Bloody Valentine, which are exceptional films. So good. So good. My yeah. Bloody Valentine, man, it's going to take a lot to bump that gym. I'm just going to say that right yeah, now. Yeah, I know it's going to bump it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> cool. So that is going to be our new number six. Eight. Um, yes. I think we've decided. So we're getting out of the eighties just for a little bit. I need um, a break, guys. I'm yeah, sorry. we're probably gonna do like two or three films out of the eighties. Um, we're gonna look at the aughts, nineties, maybe earlier than the eighties. Yeah, we're gonna do a proto, uh, which would be really cool. Um, I think we're gonna do <laughs> my super psycho sweet sixteen. Uh, so it was a made-for-TV original movie based on their reality show, My Super Sweet 16. On MTV. On MTV. Um, check it out if you can, the trailer. I don't know if, if any of you saw it. I, I loved it when it was on. There's three of them. We're going to do I the first one. It. Yeah, and B hasn't seen it. Miraculously. Um, she hadn't even heard of it, which kind of blew no, my mind. No, I've heard of it. Um, right. She had no idea what it was. Yeah, I just like, had she never... didn't realize it was based on, like, the show. Yeah. Um, but, if, yeah, we're going to do that. It's like a... It's like mid 2000s. 2009. Late, two, late 2000s. Um, slasher. So, uh, and thank you guys for reaching out to us. Like, a lot of you have reached out to us about, like, uh, movies that we can cover from the 90s. We're just ignoring you. Uh, we will pick one of those eventually. Yeah. And then we're already thinking of summer stuff, too. So, we've got a lot on the docket for sure because um, we love summer slashers but also there's some of the like you know the burning friday the 13th like those things are some of the biggest slashers and we don't want to quite get to those yet um so we're looking at maybe something like madman or uh which b is not a fan of or don't go in the woods which is very bizarre um so yeah we have a lot of fun coming your way every two weeks we've stayed on schedule somehow for 26 weeks um which is incredible and we are going to keep staying on schedule. Uh, yes, and then the rest of the stuff is going to... I will be getting more posters up. I actually have two that I just haven't put up because, weirdly, I don't know if any of you know about the website, but just prepping it to go onto our website takes a couple hours, and that's just daunting. But I took a day off tomorrow. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to work on some stuff uh, because... I need to not be at my insane job for a day, so I just took a me day. Yeah, so if you can, go to keepscreaming.com. You can check out all of our stuff there. You can find the episodes. Uh, B does do poster designs for the episodes, so there's a couple of those up, and she'll have more up soon. Yes. Um, and, yeah, thanks for sticking it out with us. We're having a ton of fun, and we love doing this, and um, there is no end in the foreseeable future. So we 
um, you know, go rate, review, subscribe, tweet at Blumhouse, and tell us to bring them onto their podcast uh, channel. Oh yeah, do that. That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be super cool. And uh, oh yeah, and don't forget, keep screaming.